Welcome to episode four of The Indirectors, a podcast for film nerds by film nerds. Every season on The Indirectors, we'll choose a director, watch all of their feature-length films, and report back to you, the listeners of this very podcast. For our inaugural season, we've chosen South Korean filmmaker Bong Joon-ho. I'm Ryan W. Bradley with Benjamin Alaco, and we are The Indirectors. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good, Ryan. How are you doing? I am alive. I am here. Um, always excited to talk with you about movies. And uh, and though the listeners won't be hearing this, you know, for another two months from when we recorded this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do think it's worth noting that uh, that we are talking about a film about motherhood. On Mother's on Day. On Mother's Day, yes. Totally by chance, actually. Exactly, yeah. It's <laughs> a little twist of fate. Yeah. I so, I feel like it's appropriate, but then knowing more about this movie, having watched it, maybe not a celebration exactly, this movie. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are some, some interesting Oof. takes on motherhood that we can get into. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to set us up, of course, in this episode, we are talking about Bong Joon-ho's fourth film, The Award Hoarding Mother. The film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2009, and shortly after that in South Korea. Mother made its U.S. debut a year later at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival before having a limited run in select cities and was South Korea's entry to the foreign language category in the Academy Awards in 2010. Ben, how about you hit us with a synopsis? Yeah, so this is another one that on its face, the premise is fairly simple, and yet the American synopsis, the English synopsis, gets it pretty wrong. Uh, So I think if you look this up on IMDb, it'll say something like, uh, mother of a young man uh, desperately tries to solve the murder because he's been framed or something like that. And that's not exactly what happens, but it's pretty close. So really the premise is there's this guy. He is, uh, I guess we could say, yeah, he's, he's mentally challenged and he does come under suspicion. He is arrested for the death of a young girl and the mother is attempting to solve that crime and figure out what happened. But the way that it's framed in that, English synopsis, you know, that IMDb synopsis really in retrospect, I was like, this is another one. I feel like Ryan, that they're, they're really trying to be like, ah, someone was framed. And it's really more like, it's less of a framing and more like, it doesn't seem like this guy did it. And, you know, we're going to try to get to the bottom of it, you know? Right. It's a kind of a, a wrong man yeah. mystery trope. Right. Um, that, that kind of gets thrown, uh, you know, uh, flipped upside down a bit as you go through it. Right. And and I think that uh, an interesting thing to note is that this film was actually like written and made for the actress who plays mother. <laughs> right. Hi Jay, Hi Kim. Um, Bong Joon Ho uh, kind of expressed that that she's kind of this this huge figure in South Korea in popular culture and has is kind of seen as the mother of South Korea. Huh. And and so he was kind of playing with 
that idea and and trying to show the darker side of motherhood and he has said that if if she hadn't been interested in doing the film that he would have never made it that's fascinating see i i had read really briefly that something along those lines he met her and that was when he decided i'm gonna do this movie or something but yeah i didn't see obviously not being part of that culture i'm like i had no idea that this actress was you know a huge figure or anything like that i just thought like oh he met this actress and thought she had a lot of talent but (laughs) i think it's really interesting that uh you know someone who's a star already is making a film like this and i think she is incredible in it so Mm -hmm. i absolutely could see all those things you know that uh she's got the chops for it you know yeah and and it's interesting he 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 said um that she she's played so many mother roles where she's like this very wholesome nurturing figure and and she's certainly that in this movie as well almost to an extreme right but again i the implication i was hearing in in his interviews is that her usual wholesome mother characters are not this kind of wholesome (laughs) mother figure you know and you know i think we see a lot of what we've seen so far from bong joon ho yeah through his first three films and some of it is is kind of amplified i think that his his absurdist humor is mm-hmm. is amplified a bit here not to the slapstick level of the host mm-hmm. but certainly more than we saw in like memories of a murder mhm which yeah. is kind of like the tone I was expecting more of going into this. Yeah. Well, the first, I want to say the first, man, 25, 30 minutes or so, I was basically like, I think I've seen this movie before, but from a different character's perspective. And I think that movie was Memories mm-hmm. of Murder. But yep. <laughs> it it does go in very different directions as the movie progresses. But a lot of the scenes, the interrogation scenes with the police, the way the police act... Uh, the way that they treat any really any suspect, but in in this case the main character, um, Do Jun, I was like, oh, this is this is directly mirroring what we saw in Memories of Murder. So, I think there's there's absolutely a ton of similarities between and and it was really interesting to me too to to think or to start kind of drawing these lines between certain plot elements and certain themes. Now that this is our, our fourth movie where I feel like to me with three down and then, you know, getting into beyond that, you're starting to see, Oh, okay. So here's even more than what we saw before. Here's some of the themes we can expect. Here's some of the plot elements. And I I think, as you said, there's a lot of, a lot of, what we've already seen but put together in a in a different way right yeah i i I mean i noted the same thing this is kind of like so in in memories of a murder there's the intellectually challenged character yep who is seen as a suspect and and is abused um, because of that and and this is is kind of the other side of that story right this Mm -hmm. is about the the intellectually disabled character who who is being blamed for this murder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Can we can I, we just spoil it for people? If uh, oh, that's that's <laughs> what we do best. It's gonna make it way easier to talk about because um, I was just gonna say, you know, what's what's certainly different here to me is that he is guilty, <laughs> but it's it's there's also a subversion of even guilt because you know he's he's not. He's not all there, so to speak, right? So he has memory problems, and we find out that uh, a lot of this... I, I really appreciated this, that uh, we could trace this back to she poisoned him uh, when he was mm -hmm. a kid. Both of them, actually. But So it made a lot of sense, but then, unlike what we saw in the past, where it was kind of like this almost, I want to say, cliché you know, blamelessness of here's someone who's mentally challenged and they've been picked up and, you know, certainly these people are, are vulnerable. Um, but in this case, he, he did kill her. He threw this rock, you know, we find out really towards the end of, of the, really at the climax, we find this out, but man, it's still impactful, no pun intended. And everything in this, and this movie is so sort of morally complicated, which is really one of its strengths. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's where the, the wrong man trope gets really flipped on its head is that, you know, very, I mean, almost yeah. entirely at the end. This isn't like a, a midway twist. This is like a twist at the end of yep. the film. Yep. And... And you've spent the whole time like wondering who did this, right? And there are there are red herrings everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And and I had a character from the very beginning who I'd pegged and I was like, this is the person who did it. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was back and forth, I was like, Okay, am I right? Am I gonna be right? And I wasn't right, <laughs> obviously. Was um, it was it the professor, like one of the professors from the beginning? No, it was actually <laughs> the older cop. Oh, interesting. And it's, and it's solely because of one very short scene. And having gotten to the end of the film, I don't know why that scene was there hmm. unless it was purely to kind of be a weird hint and like make people, you know, kind of uh, did he, did he not? And, and or maybe I'm the only person who hmm. would have ever suspected him. But there's what was this the... very brief scene yeah. where he's on the phone and... And it's a you can't really tell what the conversation is about, but he's like, oh, you know, so and so's an ass, you know, mm -hmm. and and I was like, what is he talking about, hmm. and why is this scene in here? Yeah. So then, as we go along, and we hear that the the murdered girl Ah Jong uh, had a cell phone that she uh. had all these photos on of people that she'd slept with um, as potential blackmail fodder, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, that cop is on that phone somewhere and he right. knows it. Right. And, and that's, that's where I thought we were going with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and honestly, like there's a big part of me that was like, I still want him to have been the murderer. Not right. not just so I was right, because I I mean I absolutely like being correct yeah. and I want to be right as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> and anyone who says I'm not right ninety nine percent of the time I swear is a liar. <laughs> but but you know, there was there's just something about him. He's a very minor character, has very few lines throughout. Mm-hmm. 
But I was like, that's who I really hmm. wanted it to be. I don't even remember that. Uh, if it's the older cop, I don't even remember because there's the one that that the mother works with, you know, and he kind of yeah, comes him. back at the end. Yeah, that's who I was thinking. So he's of, like but... the gray-haired. Gotcha. And, yeah. I mean, he really probably has like four lines in the entire yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was such a weird like when you get to the end of the movie and you look back on it. Yeah. It's one of those scenes where you're like, why was that there? Why was that 10 seconds necessary? Right, right. Interesting. And so, I mean, entirely, I could be the only person who was like, yep, that was him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The whole movie. I mean, that's so early on. And the whole time I was like, (laughs) yep, am I going to be right? Yeah. And then we we get thrown off track with the junk man. Yep. See, I thought, yeah, I I was going to say, I thought it could have been one of those professors in the beginning because there's so much put on them you know with the the mercedes-benz thing and all that that i was Mm -hmm. like what if they were following him and looking for a way to and i was like this is really far-fetched so i kind of tossed that theory out you know a few minutes (laughs) after i had it but it was one that i was like oh it could have been them you know but then they just never come back and uh, you know speaking of the similarities between the other movies that we've discussed for bong joon ho you know, here's professors again, and here's kind of, you know, these, you know, less wealthy people uh, running afoul of these very wealthy people. And there's all this, you know, disregard for the lower class by the professors and, you know, holier than thou and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it, I, I I just like underlined it in my notes. It's like respected professors, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in that first uh, first scene with the police. Um but but yeah, I, so part of me was like, ooh, if Bong Joon Ho is is really you know zeroing in on these professors, he's really got a thing for them. <laughs> but I was I, at the end of the day, I was glad that that they kind of just faded out because I think that would have been a little on the nose. They strike me as like hoity-toity, yeah. douchebags. Yeah, they're not murderers. Um, probably, yeah, probably exactly. <laughs> like you you dislike them and and you're meant to dislike yeah. them. But there was never a point where I was like, oh. You know, these guys are clearly shady. It's more like these guys are are driving their fancy cars and yeah. playing golf and, you know, who likes people like that? Yeah. I think the, the thing that the only thing that really made me think maybe they could have more of a role in the movie was I think they showed up to the public shaming scene like you i could see them in the crowd oh. so i was like oh they're still around you know they're they're there to watch right. they're part of that community exactly yeah so i was I like i don't remember hmm. i didn't clock them I th- in that crowd. i swear i saw two of them at least oh i'm i'm so, sure they were there yeah i wasn't really scanning the faces in that crowd like, yeah i'm sure at some point i'll rewatch this movie and because we get this little clip later on as uh dojin is remembering things Mm -hmm. we see another another snippet of that crowd and we see um is it mina we see mina in the crowd waving to him yep and prior to that we assumed he was waving to his mom right and and so that moment when we're shown this little piece that we didn't get earlier in that scene i was i was like oh Maybe I should have paid more attention to the people that were in that crowd. Yeah. Like maybe there were red herrings in that that I didn't get. The the golf, the Mercedes Benz, that sets up Bong Joon Ho's probably biggest thematic through line, mm-hmm. which is the the wealth and class gap. Yep. Right. We we instantly 
hate them, not just because they drive a Mercedes Benz, which, you know, could be enough, <laughs> uh, but but because they, they hit Dojin yeah. in the road and just keep driving. Yep, just drive so, off. Nice hit and run. And so that's what happens, right? We see Dojin and his friend Jin Tai go after these guys. Mm-hmm. And and we get the jump kick. Mm-hmm. We get a jump kick right away. Yep, um, there's like two of them, which is great. <laughs> back to back. Yep. We, not only that, and then there's a brief one later on <laughs> yep. that you only see like a snippet of. Yeah. So we didn't get like a a slow motion scene that we've been seeing in his other films, but we got the jump kick. Yep. And <laughs> and I'll take that. Like I, I I'm pretty sure that that's not going to show up next time in in. Uh, in Snowpiercer. Right. I'm pretty sure it doesn't show up in Okja. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't show up in Parasite. So this may be the last jump kick <laughs> movie that we get. Oh, damn and, it. Damn and it. I'm going to soak it in <laughs> because I fucking love the jump kicks. It's so stupid and I love it. It really is. And they're always so kind of weak, too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the people just kind of bounce off of them. <laughs> It's like, who the hell does that? Yeah. <laughs> who jumps with both feet to kick someone? Like, yeah. there's no way you're landing well. Nope. nope. Yep. <laughs> and he's in a parking lot. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be looking for it in Snowpiercer because I'm like, I know there's a lot of combat in that. Maybe there's mm-hmm. something in the background or somebody somebody doing a drop kick somewhere. I haven't seen Snowpiercer since it came out on disc. Yeah. And and so, yeah, there are lots of things like I remember pieces of it Mm -hmm. and kind of like this overall sense of it. But it feels a lot like I mean, we and obviously we'll be talking about that movie plenty um, in the next episode. But it is uh, I remember it at least being less absurdist. Yeah. than these these first four films. Yeah, that's true, actually. So that that's definitely something I'm going to pay attention to the. This is another one that, yeah, there's a lot of, hmm, there's there's a bit of that slapstick, like you were saying, and that kind of absurdity, but man, I think so far, this is the darkest of Bong Joon-ho's that we've seen so far. It gets quite dark. It's, <laughs> it's very dark, but it never, like, to me, it never felt as dark as it was. Yeah. Which I think is the point. By the time, see, hmm, I guess by the end for me, I was like, holy shit. Like I was reeling from not just the the kind of revelations that happened, but uh, the mother's actions, you know, with the junk mm-hmm. man, which I'm sure we'll get into. The last, but woof. The last 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Definitely. Like it, it went all in mm-hmm. at that point. Like the absurdism really like kind of faded away. Yeah. And we get... And we get this just dark finish to the film mm-hmm. and really, really emotional. And, you know, you've mentioned like morally challenging yeah. film. Like when, so so eventually Dojun Do, Do gets out of uh, prison because they've caught the real killer, quote, quote unquote, unquote. Yeah. Um, who happens to be another intellectually challenged yeah, that's, character that's, i've kind of yeah i kind of forgot because i mean that so that does kind of go back to uh what's it called memories of murder yeah damn and and mother goes to visit this other kid who kind of mirrors her son 
and she kind of has this emotional breakdown. She asks him if he has parents, if he has a mother, <sighs> and he says he says no, mm-hmm. and he tells her, you know, he tries to comfort her. He says, "Don't cry," mm-hmm. and she's just wailing. And it is this like sense, you know, like she's having this uh, moral conundrum, right? Like, can I? allow this person to go down Mm -hmm. um, for a crime I know he didn't commit if it means freeing my son who I do know committed this crime Mm -hmm. do you yeah yeah that's dark I mean that's yeah that's some messed up shit do you think that her asking him do you have a, a family do you have a mother do you think that was her way of being like, well, if he doesn't have a mother or he doesn't have a family, then it's only him who's suffering. It's it, I won't be hurting his mother, so therefore I can I can do this. I think that that was part of it. I think that this this is kind of like a mix of emotions for her, right? Like, like yeah. she's still trying to figure out what she's going to do. Yeah. And I got this sense of like, Almost like, is this a replacement for my son mm. as well, right? Like, there's like, is there a mirror to me? Because this is a mirror to my son. Hmm. And if not, like, she's still trying to to make this decision, right? Like, do I do the right thing or do I do the thing that I, I need to do for myself? Yeah. So there was part of me that I was like, wow, is she going to replace her son right. with this kid? You know, can I be your mom instead? <laughs> See, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really get that from it. So that's interesting. I I really read it. Yeah, I read it more as like so, uh, that's that's the thing with this character is by the end, you realize that so much of her actions uh, are just based in selfishness, you know, like mm-hmm. she, and, and guilt, right? Because, so I mentioned that she, tried to kill herself and her son when he was five. So she's really the reason that he's, he's essentially got brain damage, you know, is, is kind of how I read it anyway. But so like even her and, and boy, their relationship is fucking weird. So we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll get into some of that I'm sure as well, but her actions by the end, you realize she's really only to me, at least a part of why she's so kind of overprotective of him and all this stuff is because she's the one who did this to him. And so it's just, it's not necessarily out of like really maternal love or anything. It's like her guilt and trying to atone for, for what she did to him. And she even says at one point, you know, we should have died. You know, I should have, I should have used the stronger chemical and we wouldn't, right. we wouldn't be here and we I, wouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't have used the budget brand. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, so crazy. Like if I had only bought Clorox bleach <laughs> instead of that generic bleach, oh man, I could have done this right. Yeah, I think that's an interesting read, and I certainly had those same thoughts when it's revealed that she tried to poison both of them. Mm-hmm. But I also wondered, like, I think it's ambiguous, and I and I also wondered, like, is part of why everything was such a burden that she tried to kill both of them because of his. Uh, mental handicap yeah uh, because of of the challenges of of dealing with that as a single mother and so there was part of me like okay well is that why she tried to kill them Hmm. was were his issues exacerbated but did they exist before right 
and I don't know that I need to know. Yeah. Right. Like I think, I think the ambiguity works here. Yeah, I agree. Because of people like me, right? Like who will sit there and go, like, okay, well, do I take it at face value? Do I? Do I go deeper with this? Yeah, because I don't. That's the thing is I don't have a case other than I'm just drawing that conclusion that, mm-hmm. you know, here's a guy who has memory issues and and whatever trouble focusing or whatever it is, you know, and and then to find out, you know, later in the movie that she poisoned him. I was like, ah, you know, but yeah, just just trying to draw the causation there doesn't actually build much of a case so it, it could be either way and he's basically like a an exaggeration of characters we've seen in all the previous movies yep. uh you know this is a, he's a very common character for bong jun ho to this point um of having someone who's just not entirely there yeah in one way or another and right yeah so i i was just gonna say too i mean i'll be honest it, at first so uh a couple things <laughs> I I actively disliked the first 45 minutes of this movie or so. I just wasn't enjoying it and I I felt honestly kind of bored and I felt like okay, I see what Bong Joon-ho's doing and 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 a piece of this too was um the simplicity of this character, like literally just him feeling a bit like a caricature because we've seen him essentially this character in a, in different versions in memories of murder in the host. And I was like, is it, it, it to me, it started to feel like it was bordering on exploitation of people with, you know, mental disabilities. Cause I was like, once again, you know, Bong Joon-ho is using this character as what essentially amounts to a plot device. You know, I, I, I will say in retrospect and, you know, looking at all three of these films, I I think that's a vast oversimplification that's maybe not quite fair. But I mentioned in our last episode with of the host that there's still a piece of what what happens in the host with that character and the way he's quote unquote cured in the end and all this stuff that just feels a little bit gross, a little bit insensitive, a little bit problematic to me. And I still think that there's something to be said about it here as well, but I I don't really necessarily have a, you know, a thesis that I'm I'm, you know, putting before me or anything. It just there was that gut check feel of Ugh, this doesn't feel good. And then I I think that's why I probably want to cling to that notion of you know, she she gave brain damage to her her own son by trying to kill him you know to me that's a much more interesting and and even less exploitive version of mm-hmm. um here's just another character that he's using because uh we need a reason for this character to to not be trustworthy or to not remember the events of the film you know what i mean he yeah i mean it definitely deepens the the plot uh, quite a bit and i think it does that it, you know with the ambiguity even like i i think that even if in bong joon ho's head that's not why he has these you know uh intellectual challenges Mm -hmm. i think that it still it still makes it more interesting because it's still a mom poisoning herself and her son yeah yeah dojun dojun says you poisoned me first and she was like, that's because I had to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we talk so much about the the divides of like 
Hollywood sensibility versus these these films that aren't made in Hollywood, right? And that's uh, I think if this in the Hollywood version of this film, the the mother poisons herself first, right? Because she doesn't want to watch her kid die. In this, the mother tries to kill the son first. It's like, okay, I poisoned him. Now I'll drink mine. And instead, they just puked for two days or whatever yeah. it was, right? Like, yep. You know, I, I I lost my train of thought. But it is, I, I had a lot of similar thoughts to you. Like the first 45 minutes, like I was really on the fence. Yeah. Like I thought it was a well-made film. Um, I think that Bong Joon-ho made a, a lot of leaps mm-hmm. um, from his previous three films, even just on, on a technical level, even from Memories of a Murder, which I think is a better film than this. But the cinematography, some of the technical things that I would I want to talk about later, uh, but th- there are these leaps. But that first 45 minutes, I was like, yes, I see the leaps that mm-hmm. Bong Joon-ho is making, but it's not making the same impact as a film. Yep. And then, and then there is this shift, and it and it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was that was interesting, and and it's hard when you when you can see the amazing things of filmmakers doing, mm-hmm. but they're not entirely working. Yeah, absolutely. Like I it, again, it was about forty five minutes in, and I actually I wrote my notes like because I was just getting. I don't know. I was I, I, exactly what you said. It just things weren't really gelling um, in a way that, to me at least, were pulling me forward. So I wrote in my notes like, "Who am I supposed to be rooting for in this story? Like, who am I supposed mm-hmm. to care about?" Right? And I mean, later that becomes the central crux of the story. That it, once you kind of realize how um, morally problematic the mother is and her actions throughout and in her past it becomes clear that it's this movie's closer to uh i don't know um a a story of an anti-hero you know right someone like uh you know who's who's actively uh, a bit more of a villain and and so it was like oh you know i'm i'm really not supposed to be rooting for her i'm not really supposed to be rooting for uh dojun but the the plot pieces and and the revelations come in the second half of the film so you know those first 45 50 minutes are just laying the groundwork and and it was really mm-hmm. when that revelation comes of the insecticide that to me that's where i was like oh shit okay i understand now i'm i'm hooked you know like now now i understand the moral complications and the the questions that are kind of at the center of this movie so it ultimately i ended up really really liking this movie but I was convinced for almost half of it that I was going to come away and be like, Ryan, <laughs> this one was a long <laughs> one and I didn't like it. But man, it it really packs a wallop by the end, you know? Yeah, it really does. There's there's a lot of movement in this film. And I I think it's a very American sensibility for us to to spend a lot of time wondering who who we're supposed to be rooting for. Yep. I I spend a lot of time like wondering about the the cultural divide. Like I often look at subtitles and I'm like, is this really conveying what is being said? Right. I I was thinking the same thing about these character tropes that we're seeing about 
mentally challenged characters and because i do get that same feeling like it it, it is icky mm-hmm. at times and it is uh it feels very ex- exploitative and uh but i wonder if like this is is this a reflection of what is seen in that culture are these people mistreated right. the way that the way that bong joon ho is is reflecting on film mm-hmm. he's talked about with his cop characters about how they're a reflection of kind of the the corruption and the ineptitude of the cops in Korea. Right. So then I'm like, okay, well is this what is he reflecting this as well? Right. Like he's using almost archetypal I, I guess yeah, archetypal characters or or themes and that sort of thing. And that could just be me giving him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Well I do think Because because you don't want to see uh, a filmmaker whose films you enjoy so much mm-hmm. being so tone deaf yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for his interest in the stratification of societies, right? So, mm-hmm. and and at the top in these movies is what we keep seeing. And I don't know how, how accurate this is in the reflection of the culture that he's he's writing in, but professors are at the top right it, it and in this movie it's again it's professors and then so the people who are the most vulnerable the most exploited the most ignored the the least listened to are people with intellectual disabilities so in a way you know it does make sense that that he would i guess for his worldview and the way he's viewing this culture he's he's just very interested in those themes of of who has power, who doesn't. And so maybe for him, you know, it's it's like he's looking for the examples of of you know, who really doesn't have any power here and his his right. answer, you know, over and over seems to be, you know, in in part, you know, let's let's look at you know, you do have like this junk man as well. You've you've got homeless people popping up in his in his stories kind of consistently and everything. Um, but yeah, also the, the intellectually disabled characters showing up and, and yeah, being exploited or mistreated Mm -hmm. too. And I think we see this in, in Chinese culture as well, or at least reflected through, uh, pop culture films and literature from China is that academics are a social class. Right. And that's what we're seeing reflected here, right? Is like, we we've seen it throughout like the, the the divides between the social classes and here it it's almost reflected that like that social class becomes more americanized right right mm-hmm. especially with the golf course the that's again i think we will see this theme throughout i, I mean i've seen the next three films that we'll be talking mm-hmm. about before so so i already know that like we're going to continue to see this theme throughout. And and I think we've talked before as well about at what point can a filmmaker continue these trends, right? Like Bong Joon-ho is very famous now. Yeah. He probably has more than enough money at this point in life because of <laughs> because of the success of, of Parasite um, particularly, right? Mm-hmm. Can you still honestly make films about social class divides when you're on the other side of it right that's so yeah that's an interesting question um i don't know if you want to get into it or not like 
but uh, you know i think there's definitely a a view there of of who gets to tell what stories right right and, yeah and yeah and i think that that's probably when we get to parasite you know that's as we're kind of wrapping up his his catalog of films to this point mm-hmm. you know that's something that we can we can touch on more yeah one of the things that really stood out to me in this and and this is probably an area where we'll have some divide between the two of us is this film felt very and the, and again this is it's a western perspective right mm-hmm. like someone in korea who is well versed in korean cinema probably has very different touchstones than i do right but this felt very lynchian very much like a david lynch mm. film to me and kind of the basics that are wrapped around it. The absurdism, which we've seen in in Bong Joon-ho's other films, is very different in this one. Mm-hmm. And from the very beginning, like, we see this mirror. There's a mirror between the way the film starts and the way the film ends. Yeah, yeah. And it starts with Mother in a field dancing mm-hmm. and making eye contact mm-hmm. directly with the camera, right? To like, pretty much breaking the fourth wall, but not talking to us. And we see this kind of thing happening throughout. Like it's it's very much like David Lynch is really good about like when things are at their darkest of wrapping that in something that feels like over the top mm-hmm. goodness, right? Right. <laughs> like like when she goes and meets with the the uh, the lawyer at the karaoke bar, and he's got these you know three young women with him you know it's like they're all drunk Mm -hmm. like that was a very lynchian moment to me this dancing in the field very lynchian Mm -hmm. uh just this kind of like what i was saying before like it never felt as dark as it was until the very end and that i feel like that's everything david lynch does Hmm. is you feel like you should be laughing while also feeling uncomfortable about laughing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt that the opening it kind of set me back on my heels a little bit cuz I was like I was like okay, first it, it actually starts with a long credit sequence where I was like are we going through the whole credits like old old movie style, you know? Are we doing this? But it then kind of fades in and when she starts dancing and she looks at the camera and stuff, I was like, oh, my. I was like, yeah, OK, this is this is a movie that's uh, going to be making statements. <laughs> you know, it's going to be making mm-hmm. statements about film, about I don't know what yet, but it's it's going to probably try to challenge the audience in some ways. And I I actually don't feel that it does that as much as I thought it would. You know, it's. Uh, an opening like that says to me, okay, this is a movie that's self-aware. It it wants us to know that it's self-aware and I don't know why yet. And, you know, I think ultimately it, I, you know, I, it's, it bookends the, the movie, but, and it, it kind of sets this, I guess, tone, um, and that the imagery as well, like we see her in that field later, but you know, it's the, it's almost the exact opposite of the opening. Cause she's looking at her hands. She's just killed the junk man. And, uh, and she's covered in dried yep. blood. Yeah. So it's like the complete inversion of that. So 
you know, it, it's interesting when movies open in this sort of a way where it's almost like they're they're giving you a frame or a frame of reference that, you know, is then going to somehow play into it. You know, I, I watch a lot of horror movies. So to me, Midsummer is is one that's similar to that where it, un, it opens up where it is this unfolding of this mural that kind of shows almost the whole plot laid out before you. And it's like, it's an interesting choice, you know, and I, I think here it does work. But, you know, it, it it's interesting. Like, a, as you said, I think, you know, Lynch is a filmmaker that wants to leave you with questions, you know, and, and so you can, you'll right. think about this later. And I think that works here. You know, I'm I still am thinking about, you know, just the to me, it's like the emotional potency of that opening, because I don't know how you read it, but to me that's her vision of you know carefree and she's she's happy and she's i think at one point she says something about if she had killed them when she had tried they'd be dancing in the fields of heaven or something along those lines Mm -hmm. and so so as soon as that line hit i was like okay and then i was anticipating her dying at the end which doesn't happen but so the way i read it is that opening is like what she really wants emotionally you know, even though when she's dancing and in that opening, she just doesn't actually seem happy. So it's like she's faking it in a lot right. of ways is, you know, kind of where she ends up at the end where she's trying to be happy. She's she's got what she thought she wanted back. You know, she gives herself the acupuncture that's supposed to, you know, free her mind and help mm-hmm. her forget things and everything. And then she's dancing on this party bus, which I didn't really, really understand what party bus for old yeah, folks. I didn't really understand what the party bus was all about, actually. Well, and I think that's an area where, like, the translation for the subtitles is probably not conveying yeah. things properly because they call it like the "thank you parents" tour <laughs> or something. Like, oh, I didn't even. That can't be what it, I missed. That it, can't be what it's really called. Yeah, I think I just missed entirely what that was because I thought I thought she was going somewhere, like she was at a bus station. Uh, you know when she's she's talking to Dojun, he he gives her the acupuncture box back, and right. I didn't I I don't know if I looked away or something, but I I had no context for where they were or what was going on, and then all of a sudden she's on this party bus, and I was like, uh, around <laughs> around where I live, there's it a is... lot of wine tours, so I was like, is this like oh, yeah. is this like a wine tour bus kind of thing? <laughs> I think, and and I could be like pretentiously reading far too into it too mm-hmm. but like it could also because it is these elderly people like i do think there is some like level of metaphor there yeah. for death right and and part of that goes with the acupuncture she gives herself this also reminded me of a line in the twin peaks revival where david lynch says fix your heart hmm. you know he's basic you know he's telling this other character like dude, you need to like pull yourself together and be a better person, right? Yeah. Like fix your intentions, fix your heart, right? And and I feel like that's kind of what she's trying to yeah. do by giving herself this acupuncture that only she knows the spot, right? Only she knows how to do this particular spot and she does it and she gets up and and I don't get the sense that it like worked. I think it's like a fake it till you make yeah. it. But For it sure. does bookend this dancing and it is a really gorgeous scene uh, in terms of cinematography, as is the opening. Yeah. Uh, the opening also sets up like this duality, right? Because we see her dancing 
And even though she doesn't look happy, we're still like, okay, well, she's dancing mm-hmm. and there's this mood happening here. But then it cuts to like her standing still mm-hmm. where when she was dancing, she was kind of periodically like covering her yep. face. She's no longer doing that. She puts her hand inside her jacket. Mm-hmm. And so we move from, we see the duality that's going to happen throughout this film is like she wants so badly to have this happy life with her son and it's just not happening right right? like and it's not going to and it never has like it's clearly been hard for them forever and i think that this is where it's worth talking about a lot of like the technical things that bong joon ho is starting to do here that i think he continues to do in his later Mm -hmm. films we've seen him do the the long tracking panning shots and he does that even more here. Yeah. He's doing a really interesting thing with uh, profile shots versus head-on shots of characters. Probably the majority of the shots of characters when they're talking are, are done in profile. Yeah. And you see that when people are in profile, they're also being dishonest. Hmm. And, and it's the few times that you see people head-on that Bong Joon-ho is kind of giving away some some hints. Right. See, I, man, it's hard for me because I, I really have to watch a movie like at least twice to start picking up on that stuff. So that's really fascinating. I wish that, yeah, I wish that I could have, I need, I need my, uh, you know, attention to detail kicked up a notch when we're, when we're watching these. Cause I'm just like, I'm so focused on the themes and the story and the characters that that's, that's really great. Hmm. I'm trying to think back. Yeah. Something like this is kind of like how I've watched movies my whole life. People think it's really pretentious when I say that like one of my favorite films is Citizen Mm -hmm. Kane. And it's not that there haven't been like better films made since Mm -hmm. then. But Citizen Kane did things that movies had never done before technically. Right, right. That now we take for granted because of Mm -hmm. that. And, And a lot of that is like film angles and stuff, right? these high angle shots. I'm sure that people who saw that then were like, what the hell? Like, I've never seen a movie like this yeah. before. Wasn't it like the first, why is this person doing Yeah, that? Wasn't it like the first movie that, that like showed ceilings in the rooms or something like that? Cause it was like an angle looking up or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Um, you know, there are like, I mean, if I'm remembering the story correctly, there's like a scene in Citizen Kane where they had to remove parts of the floor so that Mm -hmm. he could set a camera under the floor so it was looking up at this high angle. Now we see high angle shots all the time or low angle shots all the time. Like we we see this mixture and and we think nothing of it, right? Yeah. So so these things always kind of like catch my eye and and another fascinating one that man i can't wait to talk about this with parasite because he amplifies what he does in mother which is these shots through windows right she she looks through the shop doors um at the beginning and at at the Mm -hmm. end you know we see a lot of mirroring Mm -hmm. again we see the junk man's point of view of the murder through windows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh the most disturbing thing about that to me is him dragging the body yes. up the stairs. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, like I know she's dead. Mm-hmm. Man, I was like, oh my God, she's just getting scratched. Yep. yep. <laughs> All to hell is he's pulling yeah. out these metal I stairs. I know. And it, that act in and of itself is where I was like, 
oh boy, like I've lost all sympathy for this character. I mean, it does, he, he does imply later, you know, he, it, and, and I, I appreciate this where it just seems like this guy's actually a lot smarter than he's, you know, he really makes out to be where he says to her, you know, I think that I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the, they call him crazy something or whatever. Right. Um, I'm trying to blank. Uh, J J D. I think right. Crazy oh, J D. He's like, yeah, the one he's who... like, I think that J P. Yeah, yeah. Maybe? I think that he probably took her up there because you know he knew that she wasn't well, so you know she was hurt, so he was trying to get people to see her. I think that's why he brought her up onto the roof, and I was like, uh, I was like heartbreaking, but also <laughs> just real fucked right. up. So <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, he is legitimately not at full capacity right like yeah mentally and 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 it's totally legitimate like he's not faking yes yeah. he's not like a savant yeah he clearly didn't mean to kill her right she threw this big chunk of concrete at him and then she calls him a retard yep. and he throws it back and it hits her right? yeah and and so it's clearly accidental yeah he clearly and and he's super drunk yeah it's right? a very like so on top of his existing challenges intellectually yeah. like he's also impaired from that's drinking. true yeah and that obviously isn't an excuse i'm it's more a point of like he, he didn't mean to do this and and he does have enough like reflect like he's trying to say mm -hmm. right like because the cops are like oh you know this is they're almost treating it like a serial killer right of like there was some kind of ritual here. He's they're trying to show off the body and make people recognize it, right? And he was like, "I didn't know how to handle this situation. Yeah. I was hoping someone else would." Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting too is it's even Jin Tae who is the one who I think he's the one who puts that theory forward. Um, like maybe the cops do say it too, but like he's the one where he's like, you know, he's he's putting this body on display. The whole town can see it from up there, you know. And I was like, ooh, you know, he's actually really smart. I, as much as I dislike so, Jinte, I I was like, I, oh God, he <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. But also, to me, man, he's I don't know who that actor is. If he's like a big name actor, but he has gravity when he's on screen. Toward you know toward. His last couple scenes, yeah. you know, where he's like interrogating these kids and beating the crap out of them. I was like, damn, this is this is a whole different movie right here. If this if this character was the star, he was really good. <laughs> I think what pissed me off the most was that he took all yep. that money from yep, mother. I agree. Yeah, that his, his whole thing where it's like, yeah, he he's one of those people who he's an opportunist, you know, and mm -hmm. he's he's still exploiting his friend his quote-unquote friend like he's he's not really a good friend but then he does you know kick the shit out of these people but he is also doing that in getting a lot of money from mother so yeah not a good guy we we've talked about like the the mirroring of of memories of a murder and to me he was he was the main cop in that he's like the younger version of that right who's like yeah is a good cop and like wants to be a good competent yeah. cop right and jintai the whole time is like i should have been a cop yeah. right i'm clearly good at this <laughs> yep and he is right like i mean for the for the most part like he he clearly thinks that there's another murderer out there yeah. right but he is like intuitive mm -hmm. and insightful and is seeing things that 
no one else is seeing. Right. Even uh, though he's he's partially al- because they're just not even yeah, looking. Yeah, but he is ultimately wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. just like everybody else, yeah. Right, everyone's everyone's yep. incorrect, yep. right? Everyone's everyone's pegged the wrong yep. people in one way or another and and that's something else that we see that's this divide between Hollywood and foreign yeah. films is that in Hollywood you have to have some confidence. Right. You have to have at least one character who knows what they're doing and is skilled at what they're doing. Even if they don't know they're skilled at it, like if even if you have a stupid comedy, right? Like the the twist is always that like, oh, this dumb guy actually really knows what he's doing mm-hmm. when it comes to this or becomes a competent hero. Mm-hmm. And what we've continually seen in Bong Joon-ho's films is that no one is competent mm-hmm. and no one becomes competent. Yeah. With the exception maybe of uh, what's his name? The the blonde guy from, uh, from the host, but you know, not through earning it. He didn't right. earn it. <laughs> he didn't earn it. And, and it's right at yep. the end of the yep. film. It, it, it almost doesn't even help him solve anything no it does he just escapes it's it's an after effect right which is that was the divide we talked about there is like if it was hollywood it would have been in time to solve the problem Mm -hmm. instead it happens after he can't solve the problem as i as i said before this this movie really being more of a of a story of an of an anti-hero or or however you want to say that i was like this to me feels closer to something like taxi driver you know than than anything that hollywood is Mm -hmm. putting out today which is all very very cookie cutter very like let's just give people what they expect and really not do anything particularly new or different with it except maybe maybe it's a little bit louder maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's slightly darker but we know the journey we're gonna go on and we're gonna get there and all that stuff you know so this yeah i mentioned how i a couple times now how i just really didn't like the first half but man um i I really appreciate you know i like dark films i mentioned obviously i like horror quite a bit and and so once the once the darkness really started to be layered on i was like i'm i'm into this all right (laughs) Where are we going, Bong Joon-ho? And man, when she kills the junk man at the end, I was like, fuck. I was like, it it all really comes together there for me. It really it really is like, you know, it's that taxi driver shit, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, she's 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 accomplished her goal, right? But at what cost, you know? Like she right. she has done what she has set out to do. If her hero's journey was I'm going to get my son out of jail and we're going to have this happy life or well, we're going to have a life together. She gets it. And man, it's, it's that Shakespearean tragedy of, yeah, you, you got it, but you are actually dead wrong. You know, you're the villain in this case. Yeah. I actually thought that like, maybe she was going to kill herself. I did too. And die in the fire. I did. Yeah. But I like, I waited the whole time for her to murder someone. I mean, I really thought, like, as soon as he went to jail. Wait, you really? You, I really you thought were, the turn. In, you were you were expecting her to kill somebody? Oh yeah. In fact, I was expecting uh, oh, her to wow. kill a lot more people. Like, <laughs> as as soon as uh, June went to jail, I expected like revenge killings, like... late career Nick Cage <laughs> That's revenge. Great. Right? Like, I thought she was just gonna go on a murder spree. I was like, these cops are dead. 
<laughs> that is a but instead what yeah, she does that is a very different instead she becomes very manipulative <laughs> yeah. right like yeah she is constantly manipulating other people into doing things yeah. rather than doing them yeah, herself right? for sure man that's so funny i i don't know um you must have been picking up on something that I wasn't because yeah, I mean, she's, she's a problematic character, but I, I never, she, she seems that kind of person who's like <sighs> frail in her way. Like she's so mousy, you know, throughout the whole thing and skittish that I'm just like, I think that's why I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Like <laughs> saying it all makes sense. Cause I'm like, Oh, well that's why, you know, it's inevitable. Like she's, it, it it's an inversion of of what Bong Joon Ho has set up with her character, so it does make perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, and I you know I think some of that may be my own like hopes and <laughs> desires in watching the film more than like actual expectation. Yeah. Is like I just really wanted to see her go on a revenge spree, yeah. <laughs> right? And I was so ready for it, oh, man. and I kept waiting and waiting. I was like, come on, she's got to kill someone. I thought that she was gonna kill Jin Tai. Mm-hmm when she was hiding in the closet (laughs) and I thought like, I thought as soon as he and uh, Mina started hooking up, like I thought she was going to come out and just wail on him with the golf club. Yeah. See, I, I expected, uh, this is going to sound gross, but like, I, I feel like I expected more like weird sexual things or, or favors. Cause like, the man we haven't talked about the weird incestuous vibes that are going on in this the early parts of this movie but they're definitely there i mean when they're there (sighs) yeah i think that to her it's like he's still like a toddler (sighs) which intellectually yeah which i mean Yes, I, I that that's what definitely one way to read it and I think from her perspective that's probably true regardless. But that doesn't, you know, he's still a grown man and she is talking to him about you know, are you going to talk to a woman or are do you do you have a girlfriend or whatever they, you know, whatever their conversation was. So, it's not like she really thinks that he's incapable of sexual urges and then you know, when he comes back I think after killing that girl, actually, I think it's that night he lays down with her mm-hmm. and he's like literally just grabbing her breast, you know? And I was yes. just like, yeah. Oh, good Lord. I was like, please don't have, <laughs> please don't go where this could go. <laughs> I mean, they are, she's fully clothed sure. and everything too. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not as overt as, as it yeah. could have been. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and I do think like if this was an American film, like you wouldn't yeah. have that. Scene. Well, I, I mean, I think it's all part of the sick sort of symbiosis that that she has with him where it's like she doesn't have a self identity at this point. Like she's right. nobody without him. And that's why to me when she says that we yeah, are one. right? Yeah. Like, and I think and. and again, kind of going back to the idea that me if if we buy that she is the one who, you know, uh, you know, gave him brain damage essentially when he was a kid, then she has made him incapable of of doing much on his own. So she's built herself into his life in a way that, you know, I think she needs because she has nothing else. And so right. her, I, I mentioned before her actions being selfish. And so I think that's, that's a lot of this is like, she's, she needs to feel needed, you know? 
and yeah. um the, the but the other the other scene that uh, just like grossed me out <laughs> i was like what is going on is <laughs> where he's uh he's he's peeing um against the side of the oh, building yeah. and she comes out and she starts feeding him i think it's like broth <laughs> from whatever he was eating and but right. it's like she <laughs> Yeah, she's like standing there and i'm pretty sure she like looks down at like his dick and it's like uh, it was just so uncomfortable and i was yeah. like i i didn't know if, if if it was you know gonna uh be more uh explicit for lack of a better term but you know right. i think it it all ties it, it's bong joon ho showing us these uncomfortable things right away because he's not afraid to do that with his characters to make us question like is right. this a good person is this a terrible person is it a mix of both and i could i could absolutely see some incestuousness in their past right. it would not surprise me at all but it's not going to be explicit in the film and that's fine but I think there's enough there for me to be like, it almost doesn't matter because of how fucked up their relationship is regardless. And, and all, all due to her actions and, and kind of by her design. Yeah. I mean, I do really think like there's a lot of it is like just treating him as like a toddler, right? right? You know, like here, let me feed you. And he's like urinating on a wall, but then she also cleans up after yeah. him, right? Or like attempts to, she's like, <laughs> that was the grossest part of it me. with a block of concrete. <laughs> this is like the grossest <laughs> part is like, she's kicking through his pee and I'm just like, no, what is going on? Like, what? Ugh. but, but it is very like, it is, you know, like you're cleaning up after your right. toddler who like isn't fully potty trained right. or something, you know, like, um, yeah, that's true. There are just silly things like that throughout. You know, that's like silly, uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I think, but before like we wrap up, like that for me is a really good uh, segue into some of the like silliest things that I really liked and stood out mm -hmm. to me. Um, and so like, I don't think they need to be analyzed, but just to like mention a mm -hmm. few things when she meets with the lawyer at the buffet and he says, when it comes to a buffet, I never yeah. sit down. Right. <laughs> like, those such a yeah. weird and like funny mm -hmm. thing and he's so yeah. serious about it right like he has a buffet strategy <laughs> right like it reminds me of like my grandparents yep. or something this is this is what you do when you get to the buffet you have a certain route you have like you get your strategy ready before you go to dinner at right. 4 p.m yeah yeah that was great and then uh the weird word game that Jim oh, Ty and yeah, Nina what the fuck? have when, was... they're, when they're having sex. Yeah. And they're like, at first I thought it was just going to be food because he yep. says spaghetti and she says some other food. But then they're just saying like random yep. words. It's so strange. And then less silly, but something that I really liked was the Ferris wheel. Right. Jin Ty locking those two like idiot teenagers into the, the cages of the yeah. ride. That just seemed really cool to me like as a choice, mm -hmm. like as a backdrop. Right. Like I can't think of any other interrogation style scene that takes place in that kind mm -hmm. of setting. So it was like a truly original backdrop yeah. for that. Um and I, I just appreciated that. You no. Know, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's like some of those things to me can can almost be distracting, you know. But I think what it what it tells me about Bong Jun Ho as a filmmaker is that 
it's like he's always going to work to put something interesting in front of you and it's like mm-hmm. it, maybe it doesn't always add up or something like for in particular the weird the weird sex game that like the word game that they were playing i was like i was like this is so <laughs> random and it, it's super random and it's it's inconsequential but if nothing else it's you know it, it's funny and makes you laugh and it's it yeah it's it's a little random but like it creates a it creates like a backstory yeah, that right. we don't need but like these characters clearly yeah. have like this unique dynamic exactly yeah yeah and it's playful too like you can see his we've talked about this before but his his playfulness as a filmmaker as well and i think and and one thing i i forgot to mention when i was talking about like the looks through the windows on like this technical Mm -hmm. level that all gets amplified at the end when she is meeting with jp at the jail and we see the scene through like there's these cubicles mm-hmm. um, for visitation, yeah. right? And so we see them up close, like we've been seeing the whole time, right? Like these these close-up shots, these profiles. We see them head-on, right? Like we see JP head-on. Yeah. And we see Mother head-on. And then it pans back, and we see through like six or seven cubicle windows, hmm visitation windows, yeah that's right, right. yep and that's and a great shot at the very yeah. end the whole film is like this poetic mirroring of imagery mm-hmm. and that like mirrors all these times she's been or other things have been viewed through windows right yeah throughout the film and then we see it it's like six windows you get it all like all in one right so just i mean cool choices like that that bong joon ho seems to always come up yeah. with that they may relate to what he's done prior, but they're either amplified and done better from the previous film or they put a new spin on it. He's just such a good filmmaker. Like (laughs) I know that's so it's an underwhelming thing to say at this point, but I mean, when you think about it about, okay, yeah, let, let's say a a different filmmaker makes the story. Right. But, but what is it, it, would it be as impactful without, all the technical prowess that we've we've just discussed there's just there's just so right. much nuance to everything that he's doing it, it really does it, it, you know movies like this just make you appreciate when when you have a filmmaker who just has put so much forethought so much you know attention into every detail where it's just you know the the impact by the end like like i said you know i was uh, you know just floored by the by the time the credits rolled at the end because you know as yep. you said that last shot with the bus you know it go it lingers just long enough you know watching these people party and it's like and again <sighs> we're seeing yep, them through windows. yep and you're like digesting everything that just happened and and the the consequences of her actions and and his actions and everything so man it's just all that stuff you know the 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 filmic uh technique there you know is built right into the action of of what we're seeing yeah no i totally agree i I love it i love every minute of watching his films even the minutes that i'm not like particularly sold on there's always something magical happening with his filmmaking and and i think that that's a great note yeah leave this on next time in episode five we'll be talking about snowpiercer the first bong joon ho film in english 
so it'll be quite a different experience for us. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm I'm a little bit nervous about it because I'm like, I think I watched that movie originally. We'll talk about it more in the episode, but I I watched it not really knowing anything about it, and now. I have some, such a different frame of reference for going into it, and I have really mostly vague recollections of what the actual plot is. But I'm like, man, he's such a good filmmaker. Yeah. I remember the plot in a very shallow level. So I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. this is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, for Benjamin Alaco, uh, I'm Ryan W. Bradley. We are the Indirectors. Thank you, as always, for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.